right guys, welcome to all of a sudden part two of Before the Z-Wing Rise of Skywalker review. Travis, you came to me and said, we need to do a part two. And I said, okay, <laughs> why'd you want to do a part two of the review? Well, I just felt there's a lot more to say about the movie. I mean, we kind of focused on <laughs> kind of gripes, but kept saying... Well, we did like the movie, so I figured um, we focus on some very specific things. So maybe we'd broaden up the conversation and just talk about things we love. Um, yeah, I gave it three and a half stars. You gave it four overall stars. Mm-hmm. I forget what the four and a half and the three three and a half math was, but uh, you you liked it as well. All right, say something good about it. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, is that a challenge? <laughs> uh, no, it's not a challenge. Oh wait, before you do that. I am Stefan Arnold. I'm the average fan. He is Travis. He's the super fan. Uh, If you guys haven't (laughs) caught up to who we are yet, please listen to our introductory podcast. Really great question that you must know the answer to about Baby Yoda. And I'll give two more words, Moldy Crow. So if you want to know about the question that you must know about Baby Yoda and more about the Moldy Crow, that's our introductory podcast episode check it out anyway travis say something good about the movie go something that keeps coming up in a lot of conversations is sort of this comparison of uh the rise of skywalker to the last jedi and sort of this conversation that maybe jj abrams was having sort of a criticism of the last jedi yeah um i don't think anything's been said that like legitimizes that statement i think people are just kind of getting that um impression um but i'd just like to say one of the reasons why i do like this movie um from an emotional angle, is the context that I evaluate the characters' actions is, is solely within the universe of the franchise. Um, and I worry that you know to seek out and latch onto perceived meta-contextual reasons kind of destroys the fourth wall and removes the viewer's engagement with the story being told. So for some fans, um, Skywalker is more about a response or a refutation of The Last Jedi you know, more than a, a continuation of the Skywalker saga. So that line that Luke says when he catches the lightsaber, when she chucks it into the flames, the weapon of a Jedi should be treated with more respect or something like that. Yeah. That only needs to be addressed within the context of Luke Skywalker's actions and his story arc, not necessarily Mark Hamill's and J.J. Abrams' alleged criticism of The Last Jedi. So, you know, Luke tossing the lightsaber over his shoulder in The Last Jedi um, is maybe more about sending a clear message to a starry-eyed Padawan hopeful than him non-verbally saying this whole Jedi thing is a melodramatic nonsense. Um, Even though Ryan Johnson may have written that scene because he actually feels that Star Wars contains too much melodramatic nonsense. I I get kind of worried that some people, when they, they evaluate some of the things that happens, like, well, J.J.'s course correcting this and he's, you know, he's disregarding what happened last Jedi because he really wanted to do this. That may have been the case, but I think it's healthier um, to sort of weigh those situations and those changes from the context of the story. It's within the universe, not necessarily what one director is saying over another. Yeah, I think it's, and we don't even really know that. I mean, unless we actually hear it from J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson, like, We don't know really what they thought of each other's movies or how they want to fix them or how they would have done it. So, I mean, you just got to treat the movies, as you said, like how they are, how they are um, interrelated to each other, how they are um, as a standalone movie as much as they can be and and how the characters react um, both the same way uh, between the movies and as 
as the single movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just kind of I didn't really put much stock into that. I didn't follow that at all, especially before the movie, because I didn't want to read about any spoilers. But um, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. And um, I, I did, as I said, I, I did like the uh, Rise of Skywalker. So I didn't I didn't need the drama. I didn't I didn't need a, a reason to like it or not like it, depending on how I felt about The Last Jedi. Um, I just liked it. So let's kind of maybe go character by character here. How did you feel about Princess Leia, her story arc coming to an end the way it did? Um, I was really surprised about how involved in the story she was. I mean, given the circumstances of Carrie Fisher not being with us anymore. Um, A friend of mine was talking about it. He says it it kind of threw him out of the movie whenever she was on camera. Um, And I kind of get that sense, too, from time to time that while I was looking at I mean, almost literally a ghost, you know, talking to Ray, a force ghost, if you will. Um, and every once in a while, I became a little distracted, like, well, I wonder what the context of that line she's delivering was originally intended for from the footage that was taken from A Force Awakens or The Force Awakens. Sorry. So, yeah. but I think that, you know, it was, it was pretty great the way they weaved it together. I mean, there's a couple of areas that seemed a little awkward in her response or maybe Daisy Ridley's response to the line that was being delivered to her. Um but for the most part, I think they did a great job and without going down that road of full, you know, CGI interpretation of Carrie Fisher's performance. Yeah, I think that's well said. I did. I could definitely see what your friend was saying. I actually like didn't know that they had taped that much um, footage from The Force Awakens, which uh, Daisy, Daisy confirmed on the Graham Norton show recently. Hmm. So, yeah, that's where it was taken from. I thought maybe that they had actually planned a little bit of that ahead, but they took that out of context and and made it work and it, and it was a little bit distracting i could get that and i actually tried to see if it was cgi because i i thought my impression was that they weren't going to use her footage in the last jedi um beyond what she had already shot so you're right i was very surprised to see it in rise of skywalker what do you think about her bridging the gap between kylo and ray in one of the uh biggest scenes of the movie when they were fighting on the wreckage of the Death Star. Yeah. So that's exactly what I was referring to as far as um, this movie for on an emotional level is very successful for me because I really, I guess I just really bought into that, her reaching through the forest to try to bring her son back one last time, even though in the last Jedi, she'd said that she knew that her son was gone, but saving up the last of the energy she had to focus that energy to kind of, to get his attention long enough to give Ray the upper hand and sort of just, pull him back to the light as much as possible since that was his struggle. Whether or not she was always aware that that was his struggle, I don't know. I mean, I guess a mother's hope is that they can always bring their child back somehow. Yeah, definitely. As you said, it was, it was a good um, story arc for uh, her as much as possible with her unfortunate uh, passing of Carrie Fisher in 2016. Um, did you notice did what you... she was holding when she died, though? Did you notice what she was holding on, on her chest? Um, no, go for it. Yeah. It was like a blink and you miss a thing. So she's holding the, um, the original medallion that she gave to Han Solo and Luke Skywalker after they blew up the first Death Star. So that's the one that ended up, uh, in Chewie's hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a a lot of people had kind of this weird gripe about, well, why did Maz Kanata give Chewie that medallion after such a long period of time with him not having it? And George Lucas has gone, um, in interviews, it said, you know, Wookiees don't 
want medallions. It, it's not part of their culture. That's why he didn't get one. I, the original reason is because Carrie Fisher was too short and couldn't actually put the medal over Peter Mayhew in costume. So they just didn't give him the medal. But I think Maz Kanata giving him Han's medallion was more like a token of, hey, we can respect what we've lost. And, you know, you have a deep love for Han. So here's his medallion. Yeah, that was that was kind of interesting. I did, didn't really piece that together from the from the first movie, I don't know how many um, fans of Star Wars kind of knew that he Chewie did not get a medal. Um, oh, people have joked about it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Just this disrespect yeah, I, I, from Chewie not getting a medal and everybody else did. Well, he's only a co-pilot, you know. They're just there to read the maps. No, I'm just kidding. Um, wow. <laughs> no, no, we love Chewie. We love Chewie. One of the best one of the best characters uh, in Star Wars, of course, and uh, coming this Probably summer now that we're racking up a list of episodes for you guys. Coming this summer, we are going to do the top characters of Star Wars. And Chewbacca will be on that list, I am sure. (laughs) Travis. Did you know that Chewie ends up in... uh, He's got a couple cameos in the Clone Wars cartoon, too. So his legacy starts way back. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes. Well, he's super old, so... He's been around a long time. Hey, for Wookiee, he's spry. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, what did you think about how they dealt with uh, Luke Skywalker in Rise of Skywalker? Um, I, You know, I expected him earlier in yeah. the movie. Um, just having him on that on Act 2 was a little was a little jarring for me because, uh, like, what, he's just been hanging out there. And, you know, him being a Force ghost, you think he might have been able to warn them about Palpatine's existence and coming up to the force. Um, or at least help Ray with some pottery. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, I was a little, I was a little, I, I guess I just wanted more Luke. It just seemed like, I mean, we got a lot of Luke in uh, the last Jedi. Don't get me wrong. And this really story boiled down to Ray and Kylo um, doing what needed to be done. But I did, I think it was a little weird to have him kind of absent throughout most of the film until he does that little cameo in there. I mean, I think his cameo was just a little bit longer than Harrison Ford's cameo. And for some reason, didn't carry as much emotional weight as Han's showing up for Kylo on uh, the Death Star 2 wreckage. Yeah, it was a little bit light there. As I said in our first preview, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Han and especially at the end as well. So, no, nope. um, nope. but, you know, this, nope. this story was <laughs> no. <laughs> What'd you say? That was all no. <laughs> we- <laughs> okay. It could have been a regular ghost. Anyway, if you want to know more about that, uh, listen to our first preview, or excuse me, listen to our first review podcast about mm-hmm. that. But, but I will say this that was- when, when Luke brought the, the X-Wing out of the water, you know, for all those who said that this movie is more of a sequel to The Force Awakens than it is The Last Jedi, I mean, The Last Jedi is, the, is what showed us that the X-Wing was in the water to begin with. And I know there's a weird continuity thing about, well the X-Wing is supposed to be missing a wing because it was used as a door to his hut and all that kind of stuff. Fine. Um, but amazing that, you know, it kind of brings it full circle. And I mentioned before that, you know, these movies have this tendency by design to rhyme with one another. Mm-hmm. So where Yoda brought the X-Wing out of the water in empire. Now we've got Luke doing the same thing and easily achieving it as a force ghost so that he can give it to Ray and also give her that kind of confidence. Like, Hey, the force is within you and you can do amazing things with it. Yeah. You know, this story was focused on Ray, and maybe if we can go a little bit back to the criticism, it was so focused on Ray, there was no room really for 
for anyone anyone yeah. else. I, yeah. I was really disappointed um, that they they didn't do anything more with uh, Rose um, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other characters there. That, that I mean, I don't know if we talked about that enough on on the first uh, part of this uh, review. Well, the secondary story for all the rest of the main characters seemed um, it seemed too tight. You know, it was it was very claustrophobic for those characters to be able to expand and, and breathe and do anything different. I'm you know I'm referring to Poe and Finn, of course, um, but even like characters like Rose and General Hux. You know, those characters really got sidelined in a weird way because it was such a fast paced movie moving from, you know, story beat to story beat. We never got a chance to have like a moment with them to kind of find out what their passions are, what their motivations are, which again, why I said in the other one, if Poe had just been kind of cut from the film for a a longer duration, it would have given more credence to his backstory being a spice runner. And it also would have given Finn a chance to kind of expand and, and become that leader. Um, curious, what's your feeling on Finn's force abilities? Um, I mean, they show up at the very end of the movie, but... Do they, though? So get this. Okay. If you watch The Force Awakens, when Finn lays down his weapon when they're on on Jakku and that village is being wiped out, he doesn't open fire and Kylo looks right at him. And when he's on the ship... That's um, a stretch. Well, hold on now. When he's on the ship and and, um, Captain Phasma or somebody reports that Finn escaped with with Poe Dameron... And he immediately assumes it's that it's Finn. You know, he dresses him by his, his stormtrooper number. And Captain Phasma walks up. She was he was part of her division. She says there's been no indication of any kind of rogue behavior from this stormtrooper at all. So this is a very big surprise. I mean, you, and the reason why I say this is because in um, the Rise of Skywalker, and he's talking to Jana, and she was an ex stormtrooper, and he's like, "Well, you know, why? Why are you here?" And she says, "Well, we were, you know, going to slaughter these people, and we decided to lay our weapons down. We couldn't do it because of we don't know why. It was because of a feeling. It says a force." And she's like, "Sure, because it was a force that it, that guided me as well." So I think the seeds of him being force sensitive um, were maybe intentionally planted there by J.J. Abrams right from the very beginning. Like that was the path he wanted that character to take. And unfortunately it just didn't get communicated to Ryan Johnson or maybe Ryan Johnson wanted to take a different path and not explore it just yet that it got sidelined for the middle episode. But, you know, Finn does carry a lightsaber and he's holding, he's not necessarily holding his own against Kylo, but he kind of does pretty well against that other um, stormtrooper that accuses him being a traitor on yeah. Takodana. Like the seeds are there right from the very beginning, you could argue, because of, again, Kylo's reaction to him right at the very beginning of the movie and certain things that he does throughout that film. I mean, I guess it's possible, but maybe because of the way Ryan Johnson handled The Last Jedi, he kind of got cut off from being much more impactful in The Rise of Skywalker, but... And, and so I'd argue, um, again, judging this based on the, the, the stories, the movies, not the intention of the directors necessarily, you know, when Finn gets cut down by Kylo Ren at the end of um, The Force Awakens, maybe because he's so wounded, he's kind of lost his his connect connection to the Force for that duration of The Last Jedi where he's healing, and then things are happening so fast he doesn't get a chance to just sit and meditate on it, or The Force doesn't get a chance to, to cut through the noise of all the events that are happening, because, you know, he's running from... Um, Canto Blight, and he's worried about his friends being destroyed on the ship being pursued through hyperspace. Um, so, I mean, an argument can be made that maybe it 
it went dormant in him because there was so much else going on during The Last Jedi. And then he had a chance to breathe and kind of come back to it during The Rise of Skywalker. So he was becoming more in tune with it, which why then he'd be like, hey, Ray, I kind of need to tell you this because I don't know what to do with it. Or, you know, can you please help me? When did you first find out that you were feeling force sensitive? But he never had a chance to have that conversation with her. I mean, possibly. I mean, we we have no idea what he was actually going to say before they sank into that quicksand, right? Well, within the context of the movies, no. But J.J. Abrams has come out and said that that's what he was going to say. He's like, I'm, I, I can feel the force. <laughs> so That's interesting. And we're not going to see uh, Finn again. We're not going to see any of these characters again, right? This is, this is it for... All these characters. Oh, no, not, not necessarily. No, I mean, I think it's it's been published that these characters could very easily show up in future Star Wars properties. Um, you know, just because the end of the Skywalker saga doesn't mean it's the end of everybody who was a part of the Skywalker saga. So we could see maybe a, a Disney Plus series come on, explores more of what Finn did. Um, maybe Ray will train him for a little while as they create a new... I hate to say a Jedi Order. I was kind of hoping it would be called the Skywalker Order. but To me, if you have... Ray and Finn and associated others, that's basically a continuation of the Skywalker saga. So, um, I mean, you're not going to have Luke or Leia or Han, obviously, but uh, Ray is so entrenched in that saga now. If you if you do anything with Ray, that's really a continuation of the saga. It's just expanding it a little bit. Right. But I maybe, can see something with Finn by himself. Maybe the end of Skywalker saga on film, <laughs> but maybe not necessarily in a Disney plus property. Like it could even be a, a cartoon that, you know, um, Poe Dameron was, uh, one of the side character or secondary characters in the cartoon series resistance. He made regular appearances in there. They actually had that actor play the same character in Resistance. He plays his Poe Dameron character. And that was kind of cool. And even... Um, it's kind of cool. The actor who played Phasma, she reprises her vocal role for when Phasma shows up in that cartoon. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to seeing Ray or any of the other characters. I just think it would be weird to have those stories, even if they are animated or Disney Plus live action. It's still smacks of Skywalker saga, but... You know, I'm not going to be opposed to it. I'll, I'll probably watch it and most likely enjoy it as well. But um, I'd love to see other stories, um, you know, come to fruition. And we'll probably talk uh, later this summer about what other stories could be out there and uh, go from there. Mm-hmm. What else did you like about uh, getting back to Rise of Skywalker? What else did you like about it uh, generally? Um, well, I... I have mixed feelings about this. I liked that C-3PO had a bigger role in here, but I was disappointed that R2 didn't. And it didn't even seem that BB-8 had a very big role either. He was there rolling around, but it seemed like this was C-3PO's show um, when it came to droid involvement. What I didn't appreciate about that, it just seemed like everybody was bullying him a lot. Um, And I just recently watched A New Hope. In A New Hope, they weren't... He wasn't the irritating character that he seems to have become... Um, certainly in Empire, Empire Strikes Back, he sort of became some of that because they kept telling him to shut up and he kept having his statistics and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, especially Han. But they still loved him. You know, they he, maybe yeah. Han didn't, but Leia still was endeared to him. Luke definitely was still endeared to him. Um, so to see that everybody was bashing on C-3PO in this, in this movie kind of bothered me. I mean, it's funny for a couple times, but when it becomes just the same thing over and over, it gets a little, it, it just wears thin. And I was kind of thinking about how that could have been 
uh, corrected. And the, I think there was a real opportunity missed with C-3PO's character in regards to um, the end of The Force Awakens. So, spoiler alert, Han dies. Um, f- from what I understood, or maybe the impression I got from the old trilogy, was that Han was unique in that he was the one who understood what Chewbacca was saying, and nobody else really knew. Um, C-3PO could interpret what he was saying, but it was really down to Han to interpret and kind of communicate, well, this is what Chewie's saying, you know, without actually just saying, this is what he just said, but just his responses, right? It did see. It did seem that everyone could understand Chewie in this movie, which, I mean, to, to be fair, would you make sense like you would learn his language if you're going to be spending that much time with it, but go okay, ahead. But in The Force Awakens, when Chewie's hurt and there's that medic mending to him, she understands exactly what he's saying. You know, like, oh, you're so brave. You know, that must have been very frightening for you. I mean, she's, you know, she's appeasing yeah. him because he's like going, he's probably, you know, describing his wound a little bit more than it really was or whatever. But it seems like everybody just kind of understands what Chewie's saying. Ray has always understood what Chewie's saying. You know, if she grew up on Jakku, how does she know, you know, the Wookiee language? Yeah. So <clears throat> Finn doesn't understand what Chewie's saying. So he always uses Ray as interpreter. So I was kind of thinking that after Han, after we lost Han, it would have been nice that C-3PO would have became sort of attached to Chewbacca in the way that he would interpret what Chewbacca was saying and give Chewbacca a chance to say some very important story-driven things. And then C-3PO would be his voice. And the reason why Mm -hmm. I I like that idea is because that would have made the scene in Empire Strikes Back when Chewie's putting him back together so much more emotional. You know, Chewie found him in parts. He got the bucket, you know, whatever. And he starts putting it back together. He's got his heads on backwards and he you know, flips it around. Yep. But there's that sort of tender moment that Chewie sat down and, and took the time to put him back together, not knowing how important C-3PO would be in his life later on after Han is killed. I think that would have been a really cool way to, to bring closure to that character. And I make him so much more important than just, you know, the the butt of everybody's jokes because they're always being so mean to him. Yeah, I agree that that was a little um, little annoying, and certainly um, the almost sheer absence of R two D two was kind of uh, crazy. Um, would have loved to seen more him, more of him, and and of course uh, BB eight, but um, uh, maybe these were not the droids we were looking for. Um, <laughs> Very well said. Nice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all night. All right. So Any, how about you? Did ahead. you? Was there anything with the other characters that stuck out in your mind that you're really happy you got to see or happy that the story developed in that way? I mean, I know you're, a, you're kind of bummed that Rose wasn't a more prominent character given her prominence in the last movie. Yeah, I mean, that was my major thing with it. I mean, I don't know... We just don't know much about her, but it it just like, oh, it always like, oh, two people are talking and Rose is walking by in the background of the uh, of the base and she may come by and and, and have one line. So that was really weird um, to me to to see that she was just she was because she was kind of the right hand um, or side side character for Finn and then she's just gone. Like it seems like she could have gone with them or, mm-hmm. uh, at least on, uh, some of the missions since they came back a couple of times and then left again. Um, so that, that was a little strange to me, but you know, who else got this short straw on this? Mm. General Hux. Yeah. You said that I explain. You have this character who's built up as being pretty high in the ranks of the first order. And, I realized his character in The Force Awakens, um, not necessarily his big motivational speech just before they 
fire Starkiller base at um, Hosnian Prime. But he, he wasn't like a bumbling idiot. And they kind of made him into the butt of jokes in The Last Jedi. But at the same time, he was still a person in leadership, a person in power. Um, I mean, he's second in command, theoretically. Under um, Snoke. In yeah. this movie. Yeah. And, well, and under Snoke and then after well, then, under well, Kylo yeah, but, Ren, right? Right. Or no. But then they introduced this, this, uh, this other guy, Pride. And then they just kill Hux off really fast. And I didn't think that was necessary. Why do we have to get introduced to a new character when we could have just used Hux for that same role? Like, why couldn't have Hux just been seduced by the power of Palpatine? And because of the fact he hates Kylo Ren and wants Palpatine to succeed and destroy Kylo Ren, that seems like a perfectly normal and in-line motivation for him to say, yes, um, Palpatine, the First Order is now behind you. We'll become the Final Order. You know, he, him becoming a traitor just because he wants to get back at Kylo Ren and put his life online does not, it seems so out of character. It just seems like this really crazy, convenient thing to do for storytelling. And it's almost like they wanted to get rid of his character really fast because it was inconvenient to write, to write anything for him. Everything was already laid out. I think he could have just done, he could have just performed everything that General Pry did and yeah. we wouldn't have had to have been introduced to a new character and understand his backstory or the, the, the lack thereof. Just give it to Hux. He could have been fine. I, I just felt kind of bummed out that they just wiped his character off really fast like that. Like, oh, well, we, this is inconvenient to have this guy around. So let's just write him out of the story and put somebody else there instead. Yeah, it does seem strange and maybe uh, a reach to uh, want him to both see the downfall of Kylo Ren and then also help the resistance. Mm-hmm. It seems like he could want one, uh, the downfall of Kylo Ren without resistance winning so why why become a spy you can still undermine him and yeah. and do other stuff because if kylo ren gets defeated surely you're going to be near defeat mm-hmm. as a consequence to that as well so you're right that was a little little strange and a and a pretty um short lived uh spy story um certainly yeah. they're not going to be able to turn that into a Rogue One 2. I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, I, I mean, they could have done that without introducing who the spy was and then mm-hmm. maybe gone back. I mean, that's kind of uh, repeating Rogue One uh, kind of a little bit there, but they might have been able to pull that off. But You know, uh, you know who the spy could have been? Just as easy as anything. It could have been uh, Benicio Del Toro's character. It could have been that, that hacker guy. You, you could have said that he had hacked into the system's on the supremacy and he kind of knew what was going on. And so he just dumped all the information to the resistance. So yeah, he double crossed them, but at the same time he got information for them anyway. I mean, yeah, that's certainly, you don't have to introduce a new character. You can kind of capitalize on the fact you introduced him in the last movie. You don't necessarily have to see him. You just say, Oh yeah, this guy just dumped a bunch of information in our lap and Oh look, here's a nugget of information about Palpatine done. How they could have done that was just have him send like a hologram of himself being like, Hey, here you go, guys. My bad. <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess that. Yeah, but you know what? Sense, they did but... that with Maz Kanata in the Last Jedi, and I, I thought that was really cheap. As we said, there was a lot of in Rise of Skywalker bringing it all together and um, bringing uh, Zombie Palpatine back, um, <laughs> and uh, going from there. And uh, how crazy would it have been if they? All of a sudden, like two years ago, they'd have been like, you know what? We're actually going to do 10 of these movies. Hope you enjoy. I think mm-hmm. people would have maybe lost their minds, uh, good <laughs> and bad there. But um, uh, it, it, the Skywalker saga slash Palpatine saga, Ray Palpatine. 
go back to our other preview uh, episode for that. But um, the Skywalker saga is over, period. For what we um, know. <laughs> so far, as so we know. So far. As, as Until Disney Plus needs some summer content. And if Palpatine can come back from an exploding Death Star, he can come back from anything. <laughs> Absolutely. He's he's still hanging out. I'm sure All he right. is. Travis, I think we're going to about wrap it up. Let's tell the people what's next. We are going to get a parent's guide to Star Wars and the order to watch. That is going to be coming up in mid-January. And Mm -hmm. before that, even before that, we are going to talk about Mandalorian. Came to an an end. Season one. Season Season two has been announced. So good. Um, So we are going to talk about Baby Yoda uh, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, and maybe some other characters. <laughs> there is a young Mando in it, too, you know. Mando is a boy. Yes. Um, <laughs> Doesn't qualify, huh? We, we don't care about him. It's oh, all man. about Baby Yoda. Terrible. It's all about Baby Yoda. You're, gonna, anyway, so you're, we're gonna, what? you're not going to like that last episode, then. You haven't seen it yet. No, I have not caught up with the holidays in the way. Yeah. Um, I have not caught up. Spoiler alert. I can't tell you about it it's, it's gonna be a will, rough I, viewing for you i'm just gonna warn you right now it's a real rough viewing <laughs> if uh, you think about it, there's only so long this kind of storyline can 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 survive until something drastic has to change so brace yourself as long as it doesn't involve zombie palpatine i'll be okay with it <laughs> okay very and good and then after parents guide later in january guys just about three or four weeks away Plot point number one, the Rogue One effect, Travis and I talk about for half an hour, the Holdo Maneuver. Yes, you heard it here first. The Holdo Maneuver for half an hour, the who, the what, the why. But it's worthwhile. It's a meaningful 30 minutes. It's a good 30 minutes. It's not a a rehash of everybody else's concerns about the Holdo Maneuver, although some of that's touched upon. But this is a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's put it that way. Yes. And uh, you said we were going to do five minutes on it. We did 30 minutes on it. Yes. Um, But that's about it. All right, guys, we are going to shut this down. Travis Heiner, a.k.a. Saboken, S-U-B-O-K-E-N dot com, artist, musician, Travis Heiner. I am Stefan Arnold. I go by FF Observer. On Twitter and on the Station Head app, if you'd like to listen there. And my website is Fantasy Football Observer, where I talk about fantasy football. But that's about it, guys, for now. So happy you joined us once again. Please mash that subscribe button if you haven't already. And tell your and friends. Let, and tell your friends, yes. We need to spread the resistance. Oh, let us tell you. We're not letting you that off easy so sorry now let us tell you one more thing where you can reach us on social media we are at before the zw on twitter that's the letter b the number four the zw on twitter before underscore the underscore z wing on instagram and before the z wing on facebook yep if you can't find us there hit us up elsewhere search google search use the force kids But for Travis, I'm Stefan. This has been B4ZW. Never underestimate a droid.